0: Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this gospel according to Luke and the stories, the things that have been recorded in this gospel book. Lord, I pray that you just guide us through it today. Lord, I just ask that you would also just bless not just my words, but Lord, the hearing of those words that your spirit would deliver the message that needs to be delivered today. In Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. All right, so uh, I got this buddy at work, used to work with, He's a conspiracy theorist. You met any of those lately? Anybody known as some conspiracy theorists? Um, Behind every single thing that happens, there's some shadow organization that's running everything in his book. And some of you are like, wait, you're saying that funny like that's not true. Okay, listen, okay, I get it. He's not wrong. But I want to tell you that the, the one thing that is behind all things that is working evil in this world that the Bible actually talks about, that's a very present and real reality. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle puts it this way. He says, for we wrestle not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. And then this one, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to throw a word out there right now, because I'm going to come back to it several times today. day, is the word ponder. Have you ever pondered something before? Ponder this next little phrase. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Some of you are like, I get it. It feels that way. And there's a truth to that. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I mean, there is a reality that we cannot physically see that is at work, okay? That's just the truth. All of us as well have been swayed by that by one, at one time or another. Ephesians 2 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work. Again, Ponder. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So I'm telling you right now, as you look out at this world, are there sons and daughters of disobedience at work in this world? Yes. There is a spirit that is now at work in those sons and daughters of disobedience. That's That's a present reality in this present darkness in which we live. So I know that that's a really glum way to start off a sermon, isn't it? And yet, you may have heard my wife say earlier, I'm talking about rejoice today. I want to give you five reasons to rejoice in spite of this world that we live in. Now, I wish I was sitting here. In fact, this morning on the way to school or on the way to church this morning, I was telling Charity, I said, I wish I was more of a, I'm not, I'm not really one of those, like, I'm, I, would, I was never a good coach. I coached soccer a few times. I was not the guy that was given the great pep talk. I was, the coach was like, well, go do it. <laughs> you know what to do, just do it. You know, I'm not given the inspirational speech. I'm not like that. I just don't operate that way in my head. But there's an element of that that needs to happen today. There needs to be uh, a, a return to this jubilant, joyful reality of all that we are in Christ. That needs, there needs to be a return to that. There's a lot of us that operate with glum looks on our faces through the week. And there needs to be a turning away of that. In fact, as we were talking about this yesterday, uh, two things that my wife brought up. She said, when I think about that word rejoice, what what does it mean? First off, but then we almost need a revival of that. We need to revive the rejoicing in us. And so hopefully today, in my dry way... I can spark some of that interest. And I hope to do that. Here's the thing. I hope to do that not by some false motivational speaker sort of aura that I would give off, but instead by facts. You guys know I'm a math teacher, right? By trade. That's what I used to do before I was a dean. Maybe going back to that this next year, teaching math again. And and you know what? I love facts. That's one of the reasons why I loved math. And there, there's some facts. That's how I get worked up. Just truths, realities. But I think one of the ways to do that is to go back to the word I mentioned ago, to ponder them. So with each one of these five reasons to rejoice, we're gonna, I'm going to give it. And we're going to take, take a moment to ponder that reality. So we're going to start off by just laying out this idea. What does the word rejoice even mean? So when you look at the biblical word that's translated rejoice so often... Uh, there's two uh, different Greek dictionaries that I love to look at. One is Thayer's, the other is Strong's. Thayer's describes it to rejoice, be glad, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, to thrive. We just sang a song that had that word in it, didn't we? Um, uh, Strong says it's a primary verb to be full of cheer, that is, calmly, happy, or well-off. I like the calmly happy part. I'm usually not the exuberantly happy, but calm. There's, a, there's a joy that we ought to be expressing. The Bible is full of statements of that. In Philippians 4:4, 4, 4, we get rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. You've probably heard that passage. First Thessalonians 5:16 says the same thing. Rejoice always. So let's start with our passage from Luke. For those of you that are joining me the first time today, we're, we've been working through Luke. In fact, I've been in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24, five weeks. I think this is week number five. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 10. Remember the 72 were sent out. And we're getting a story now of them returning. And notice what did they return with? What do you see there on the text? Joy. They returned with joy. Coming back together, returning together, there's a joy in that. We have that opportunity every single week. You go out into the world. Some of you, you start off with a happy face, by Wednesday, you're, you're looking miserable, you get to Thursday or Friday, you're ready to punch somebody in the face, you come back to church, hopefully you don't punch anybody when you get here, but you know, if you need to, I'll take it, if you, you need somebody to punch, just go I'll, I'll take it for you, if you need to get that out of your system, please not my face, um, I'm cushioned here. Uh, but if if you need to, but we come together and I, I hear this element happening, there's You've gone out into the world, and many of you have tried to minister in this world, whether it's in your job or with your friends or with your neighbors. You try to minister in some small way, try to take a bit of that Christianity that you have, that Christ has revealed to you, and you take that with you, and you're you're trying to plant seeds of it. You're trying to sprinkle a little bit of it into the world that you live in. And sometimes that feels squashed. Sometimes you have little victories. But I hear you. This is why I love our praise time, because so often what I hear when you come together is this... It's these little moments of joy you had in the week. And what I love about it is if you watch, if you watch those around you, which I have to turn around to do that, but if you watch those around you in the times I've been up here leading praise and testimony time, I will see one of you sharing some little bit of joy, and you will see it, like, catch with those around you. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you hear those little bits of joy, and you go that you, you were feeling pretty down, but this is one of the great things I love about coming together to fellowship together is that we share those things. I'm gonna say more about this later. We're gonna share those things together and it sparks some joy. Who in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand up. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's time. If you ever come to church and just been totally dejected, and then somebody's praise from the other side of the room, you didn't know anything about their life, they're starting to share this praise, and that was the exact thing you needed to hear that day that just renewed some measure of joy. Anybody ever had that kind of thing happen? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the important things about joy, about praising together, about praising God, all these things, that, and it's, it's hard for me to disconnect praise from joy, from lots of different little topics But um, I think C.S. Lewis captures the idea very well, the the element of needing to bring it together. He writes about it this way. He has a book called The Reflections in the Psalms. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. Some of you know exactly what this is as well. There's this enjoyment of what you're seeing, and you can't help but overflow, because that's what completes it is by saying it to somebody else, trying to get them to look at it and go, "Yeah, isn't she lovely?" <laughs> right? And he, I mean, why are you doing that? It's because there's this enjoyment. For me my wife she's not up here where'd she go She back with the kids isn't she lovely and i I just isn't she and if i'm why am i doing that because i i'm enjoying and i want you to see right there's this capturing together let me go ahead and read the rest of this it says it is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep it silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in a ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. Some of you know that feeling, right? <laughs> Get a good joke and you're like, right, this isn't fun until I got somebody. You're just waiting. You're chomping at the bit till you see the first part. I just got a new one. That corny dad joke you got and you're just waiting for somebody and there's an enjoyment as you share it with somebody else. There's that enjoy. It completes it, does it not? The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And C.S. Lewis writes, But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. And that's what we do as we come together. So, reason number one from this text today five reasons. Reason number one is rejoice at our return together each and every week, right? Rejoice at that. We get back together each and every week and just rejoice. That's what we do already. This is an easy command to give you, right? Multiple times in the New Testament, Paul rejoiced at the knowledge of and with other believers. Most of his letters begins with a, a proclaiming of joy because of them. I praise God always and rejoice because of you and your faith. There's this enjoyment of seeing other believers. And, and it's so important to do that because you get out in the world and it's easy to feel absolutely alone in the stand for God and the stand for the truth and the stand for what Christ's gospel is all about. And sometimes it's easy to feel very alone in that. And then you come back together and it's easy to look around and go, oh yeah, I'm not alone. There's others. And those testimonies help share that. This is not to ignore the reality that our world is in. The the joy that we express is a joy that is mingled with sorrow. Okay, so I I need to throw in here a slight detour. I know it's a joy that is mingled with sorrow. Matthew writes these words of Jesus, Blessed are you when others revile you, right? Now, I want you to know that blessed are you when others... It's, it's not like Christians are getting reviled and they're going, oh, that was great, right? Smacked in the face, oh, that felt great. No, that's, right, that's not what we're talking about here. When people ridicule you, revile you, right, these things, when you take a stand for Christ, it's not the in and of itself is, but there is a rejoicing that turns to this. And no, don't, don't ignore what Christ says here. Blessed are you when others revo you, rejoice and be glad. And notice what he says next, for your reward is great right now. See, Christians, in this, this living in this world of sorrow, there, there is an eye on that eternal reality. And Christ has no problem again and again telling us to think past today. Right? Blessed are you when people hate you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Right? promised last author quote for the day. I have to throw one more in there. I had a Lewis quote. i got to have a Tolkien quote now. In his book, The Fellowship of the Ring, I think it's one of the characters is talking about this. He said, The world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places. But still there is much that is fair, and though in all lands love is now mingled with grief it grows perhaps the greater. And I think he's capturing something, a reality. As our world is filled with grief, that love of Christ grows as well. And our sorrow that is mingled with grief, right, I'm sorry, our sorrow that is mingled with joy, right, is a reality. But let's not forget the joy. So, let's pause for a moment and ponder. Look around. You got. I mean, I know any happy words? What do you say when you're happy? As a Christian, you probably got a couple of them, right? That you don't say in normal situations, right? You you wouldn't say it out there anywhere, but uh, you, you're you're in church and it's a safe space. Safe space, right? What, what do you say when you when you, you hear something wonderful It starts with an H? Halla. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Can we try? Can we have a hallelujah? See, I'm not good at this, am I? <laughs> can we have a hallelujah? Oh, man, praise the Lord. That, can, can you get, think about it. You look around. Now, for those of us, in a very real way, for us at Edgewood, there's there's probably 10 of us that were here three years ago. Now Louis we look around and it's, we've got a room full of people, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome that God is doing that. We praise him for it. But it's for me, I look at it and I go, this is just about encouragement. Look around. There's other people that are here that are just, I mean, When you go on fellowship, we're going to have a meal later, and you talk to them, you're going to hear their sorrows, but are you going to also hear their joys? Yeah. And some of you will play a role in that. They'll be talking about the, oh, I was having a time, and you'll be the one that's able to come in as the Spirit leads you to say, but praise the Lord that, right? In fact, that's probably already happened to a few of you today. You came in dejected. You came in down, and it was somebody. You you never know who it's going to be. That's the thing that I always think is amazing about it, as the Spirit guides in a group of believers to encourage one another. All right. That was my first attempt at pumping you up. There's, There's bigger reasons. Ready for some bigger ones? Ooh, yeah, here we go. The rest of this one says that 72 returned with joy, saying, so let's hear what they were actually talking about when they returned with joy. They said that the demons... Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, and this could have been a sermon in and of itself. I pondered just making this its own thing for a long time, uh, even looking back several weeks ago. Jesus says to them, okay, we're going to ponder right off the bat here because this one. So these guys come back. They're praising God because of the ministry that they've done. And Jesus' response to this and hearing this is he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but my brain goes, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Whatever it is, I want to know what that's all about. What is he talking about? In some way, it's connected to what's happening. I don't think, so I've read all my commentaries. I've pulled it together. I still am not sure. But here's some things I've figured out. It's not talking about the fall of Satan way back, back in the day. This is connected directly to the ministry, the, the, the preaching, the sharing of the gospel, the, the work that they were doing and reaching out to these people. In some way, Christ saw Satan's demise in this ministry. When Jesus saw them ministering the gospel, Jesus also saw Satan. Now, there's a lot of interesting elements to this. i want to throw some, a few others out there, but let me, let me go ahead and give you the second reason to rejoice. Rejoice because the work of Christ, right, that work of Christ at the cross, presented in the gospel message, has crushed Satan's work. This evil in this world, I'm telling you, it has no real power because of Christ. Can we still call him the prince of the power of the air? Sure. But has Christ conquered that? Yes. In some way, this has already happened. Consider Colossians 2.15. Speaking, I believe, on the cross of Christ, Paul states this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. The cross of Christ marks the decisive defeat of evil. That's what happened at that moment. Now, if you ask me, how does that all play out with what, what's going on? I, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I don't know the full ins and outs of what this looks about. I'm telling you right now, Satan is already defeated. You may still think that he, but he's like a, like a roaring lion. I feel like he's got no teeth now. He can scare us, but what he's got is in many ways, compared to what Christ has done, is absolutely powerless. Consider also the book of Revelation. I'm going to tell you right now, this passage from Revelation, I do not believe, is talking about something that's going to come. It might be talking about some things that are going to come, but I think in many ways what I'm going to read to you next is something that has already happened. Listen to this passage in Revelation 12. I think this is a vision of what happened at the cross. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now... The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. That word devil is the word accuser. He has been thrown down, he stands no longer. And listen very carefully to this next portion. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. It's at the cross, but it doesn't end there. Listen to this next part. They have conquered him. Who's the they? If you go back, it was our brothers, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, I'm not one that usually falls into the camp of saying words have power. But they do have power. And the word of their testimony played a role in the casting down of Satan's power. I think in some ways, even today, you need to understand that what defeats evil in this world through the cross of Christ also is attached in some way to the ministry that we do. That's what Jesus saw when they returned. That's what this text says by the word of their testimony. I know that you go out and sometimes you feel powerless in this world. Do you ever feel that way? Like, I, I, what do I have? I'm telling you that preaching, the telling, the sharing of the gospel message is the thing that defeats evil in this world. Don't go out and feel powerless. The word of their testimony. Jesus saw in the ministry of his people the demise of Satan. And I believe today the same is true. When you go out into this world and you come back together, I believe that Christ would look at us again and say, I saw Satan fall this week. In some small way, I saw Satan fall in Danville this week because these people were out speaking about the cross of Christ All right, second round of motivational speech. It's not working, is it? Let this truth sink in for a moment. You are convinced, some of you are convinced, even after I've said this, some of you are convinced, and some of you operate in this world like, well, I'm just hanging out till Jesus comes back. Don't. There's victory. He's been defeated. And you are called to go out and present the gospel message to people in this city. Let that truth sink in. Wipe those glum looks off your face, that, that thought of defeat each and every I'm telling you, not just we're going to win, but we are winning. Even today, the gospel message wins in people's lives every single day every single time a person hears the truth of the gospel repents of their sins turns to christ victory has occurred you ready for reason number three reason number three verse 19 behold i have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy nothing shall hurt you this flows right from the last one now some of you are going to get real confused by this. And I'm telling you, there's some churches in this country where they're grabbing snakes. (laughs) They can't hurt. Okay, that's nuts. I don't like snakes. I don't like looking at them. I know my father-in-law is with me. He hates snakes. Amen. This is not to mean that if you're a Christian, you're never going to get a snake bite. It could mean that, or it could mean you survive it. We got a story. Do we have a story of Paul the Apostle surviving this? I mean, literally, this exact thing happened. I remember there was a missionary kid I used to teach when I taught over in Lafayette. There was a missionary kid that was back, and he was telling me this story. He was—he uh, uh, lived in Africa, and this um, asp had, like come out of the firewood and latched onto his arm, and he was gonna—I mean, it, it was like it's—it's it's over. This thing is a venomous snake. People die of this. Some—he had just watched this National Geographic episode like two days before, where they had talked about one of the ways to counteract venom in the body is through an electrical current. And so this guy, he's like, I just read this. And they're like, so they grabbed a car battery and jumper cables. And he, te- this, you wouldn't believe this kid. I mean, he was nuts anyway. But he, he, they, they started like shocking him, putting... And he, he, he was there telling the story. It must have worked. Now, I'm not recommending that you try this to see if it works. I'm just telling you what he said, okay? This does not mean necessarily that this is never... In fact, every one of Christ's disciples suffered martyrdom except for John. History is full of the blood of people who have died for the purpose of spreading the gospel message. What I believe this means... Is that the mission will not be stopped. There's some language in here that harkens back to Genesis. He shall bruise your heel, but what will Christ do? Crush his head. In a very real way, there's this crushing, this treading on the enemy. This connects right back to this last reason to rejoice. Because think about it. In a very real way, as you present the gospel message, understand... I keep throwing this out there. understand this. When I talk about presenting the gospel message, I am not talking about going out and telling the world all the things you're doing wrong and how they should start doing the right things. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not start being good people. The gospel is you're not good people. There's hope for you, though. We're all a bunch of idiots. But our future is incredibly bright, and anybody can get in them. People don't become Christians by turning over a new leaf and start doing everything right. They become Christians by Christ saving them, regenerating them from the inside, making them new creatures. And this happens not by you going out and making sure. I know, you go out there, there's some people doing some really horrible things. Hey, I know, I'm the dean at Danville High School. There's some terrible stuff. There's some. St- I could tell you some stories of things we caught on camera that would curl your toes. Okay. Is my jo- now I have to uh, administer discipline, but is my job just to make them acting right? No. As a Christian, my hope is that they hear the gospel message, and turn to Christ. See that living right is an outflow of what happens in here. Right. And I'm telling you, in this world that you live in, don't be defeated. You are treading on the evil as you pray. Every time you, from the smallest, well, I just want to praise the Lord, to if somebody, how you doing? I am blessed. Every little bit that you can sprinkle into this world of the goodness of God and his grace that he offers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, every single little bit that you do, every little bit of that treads, Right? If you need to, picture it that way, right? When you say, you're out in the world and this, this terrible thing happens, but you're like, hey, praise God, he's in control. It, that, that, just picture yourself like, right, crunching on that serpent's head, right? Somebody's acting horribly toward you, treating you to like, it's, and you just rejoice in the Lord in that moment. Crunch, scorpion, <laughs> Rejoice because nothing will stop the ministry of the gospel. Some of us stop and we're stung every single day, not by scorpions, but by the sting of the daily news. You don't need to be. I don't care what news tells you, Christ is winning. Some of us are bitten by the authorities and the bosses and the governing bodies of this world, and it bites us in the behind. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't let that get you down. Don't let that destroy your faith. I'm telling you, Christ is winning. And you are on the side that one day every single knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. That ought to spark some... That's right. See, this is where motivational speaker I'm not, but think about it. That's right. There's a day, I, I don't care, I don't care how much it seems like what's going on in the world is just everything is coming down, everything's being destroyed, everything. I'm telling you right now, in the end, every single knee, every person that defied God to the end, at one point, they will bend the knee to him and say, Christ is Lord. Stop worrying about when that happens. It's going to happen. In the meantime, as much as you can, keep throwing out the gospel. Because there's some of those people that we go, oh, man, I just wish. Some of those people, what, what the real hope ought to be is that your sharing of the gospel might turn their hearts. God might use that in their hearts to turn them to Christ. Now and not then. That's your hope. Romans 8. Speaking on the ministering of Christ's servants, Paul the Apostle puts it this way. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall tribulation? Now, what's, what's the uh, assumed answer to each one of these? No, right? So maybe you should say that after I ask them. Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. no. Distress? No. No. Okay, and the next couple, I need you to do a no that's kind of like a like uh, that's a stupid question. Can you, can you do that like, No. Yeah. Uh, Persecution? No. Come on, get a little, you know. Famine? Ooh, that's a tough one, though. I'm hungry. Nakedness? (laughs) That's weird, but... Danger? Sword? No. As it is written, for your sake, we are... Paul, what are you talking... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. Wait a minute, I thought you just said. You see that weird mixture of understanding that Paul is expressing here? Even if the sword pierces you through, Christ still wins, and you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Thank you, Paul, for helping me out with some motivational talk here. Right? And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right? I think we need a few more amens to that. Amen? Now, the next verse, Jesus tells us, and I don't want you to be confused by what he says, but listen to what he says next. He's, he's the rejoicing, but then he says this. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. I don't think he's saying not at all. I think he's talking about that. that don't just let it just be this thing. If that's the only part of your rejoicing is that are, are these things, you're missing out on the greater focus of joy. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, this is Jesus saying this. Now, all those other things, they they were getting me pumped up through the week as I was reading these texts. I was like, man, that's right. We're not losing. We're winning. And I have all the power and the authority of Christ given to me in the words of the gospel as I go into work each day, as I encounter people every day. I've got all of that. And then I get to this verse and he says, "Don't just rejoice in that. Don't rejoice in that." I mean, if that's it. Jesus himself says, "Rejoice rather. Here's the greater thing, the greater focus of joy. My name is written in heaven." This is an easy one to put up here. Rejoice because your name's are written in heaven. Did you know that? Some of you're like, "Wait, what?" There's a book I won't tell you about it. I'll let Daniel tell you about it. At that time shall rise Michael, the great prince who is in charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since, the, since the, there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. This is an allusion to something even grander, because you get to Revelation you hear this again. And this next one, I'm going to really cook your noodle, okay? Revelation thirteen verses seven and eight also was allowed to make war. Talking about the beast, also was allowed to make war on the saints. Uh, by the way, I love that. that. That's a great another pondering, isn't it? it ties back it, when you look at the evil and it seems like they're like making war against you. Do you know that that had to be allowed? <laughs> Satan can do nothing apart from the permission that God gives him. He, he, it's like a dog on a leash, right? You can go that. Go, yeah, Pfft, far enough. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Allowed. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. The authority it has was given. Is this cooking your noodle yet? And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Sounds terrible. Everyone whose name has not been written. Okay, noodles are cooking now. Not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Wait, when? What? Now, I am not gonna fiddle with your theology today. I know that before the foundation of the world, that the fact that I'm standing up here before you today as a pastor. Now, my mom, she left. I was gonna have her testify to the awfulness of Matt, but she's, she's gone. Apart from the grace of God, I would never. This is not Matt. And I'm telling you right now, one of the most confident elements that I have is that I, I read this and I believe it heart and soul. I don't understand it, but it's there. Before the foundation of the world, I believed there was a book. And in that book was written my name. And I am here today because of the great grace of God. Don't ask me to explain it. Is that not a cause to rejoice? If nothing else, no matter how you try to wrap your mind around that, right, but what about, about, there's a lot of whatabouts with that, isn't there? Like 50 of them just popped in my head right now. Regardless of all the whatabouts, that's fine. Have as many whatabouts as you want. But in some way, This is here, and what a confidence-building element in in our, just, okay, let's put it this way. There is something much bigger and grander at work in you. I believe every single one of you is in this town with the neighbors you have and the job you have for a purpose and for a reason to glorify God and to bring the gospel into little nooks and crannies that nobody else has access to. Nothing will stop the ministry because your name has been written in heaven. And you don't have to, you, this is, you, you're not going to fall to the wayside. You will stand in glory. You will stand in glory with all the rest of the saints and say, all praise and honor and glory is to be given to you, Lord. But now, I've got, I said five reasons, right? Let me give you one more. Reason number five. This next one, again, if you let yourself ponder this one, this, this, one, is, this one can blow your mind, and you're like, my, my noodle was already cooked, Matt, don't blow my mind anymore, but let's, let's do it a little bit more. Because the very next thing that Jesus does that, that Luke records for us is that after that moment where he says, don't rejoice in this, but rejoice in this, he turns and he says this in that same hour. Jesus, so, so we're getting a glimpse into something big Christ who's God in the flesh audibly for people to hear and it's recorded for us Christ who's God in the flesh he looks and it says he rejoiced in the spirit and says to the father so here we get a conversation between the son of God and the father I feel when I, when I get to these paths where Jesus is speaking to the Father, I always feel like I'm getting a glimpse into something sacred, something otherworldly. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hit... So Jesus, what makes Jesus rejoice, right? I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, and the thing that he rejoices in is because he's looking out at these disciples that came back. Now, I know that the word, it, it, I don't know what the Greek word is for idiot. But in some way, those disciples were a bunch of complete idiots. But Jesus doesn't look at that as like, eh, I guess this is the best I got to go with. It sparks joy in the Son of God. When he looks at the people of God. Not because the people of God have brought all of their wonderful talents and amazing things with them. Right? I praise you. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. Now, put yourself in their places. Right? You know these disciples have been struggling with this exact thing. And yet Jesus looks at them and he goes i'm just so happy that and he's look, looking right at him and just picture how you'd feel he's looking right at him i am looking at all you right now i just and i i do too and you guys can look at me and say the same thing it's okay i look around and i go praise god he has not revealed these things to the wise and understanding of the world look around <laughs> take a peek around you where's all the exceptional people did they where are they at today Praise God. But this is what Jesus says. Praise the Lord. I, I love this truth. You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed. There's, a, there's a hiding and there's a revealing to the little children. Embrace, embrace your inner child with this thought. Like, like a bunch of little ones when you, when you, when you tell them some new amazing thing I, I wanted to have a good example of this but I don't really watch any kids shows anymore my kids are grown what's, what's a kids show that a kid would get excited about Anybody, any little kids in here tell me what's a, what's a little kids show that a little kid would be excited about I remember when my kid. do you remember the, the Wiggles those guys were weird or uh, what was it Teletubbies uh, I did not let my kid know weird Peppa Pig, I don't know. Scooby-Doo, there we go. The road run. Okay, so as we don't miss the point, little children, (laughs) before we get too far out there, like little children rejoicing. Did you know there's a, this is gonna be, and I'm gonna let you watch this. And they didn't know how to work the TV. They didn't know how to find that. I know the kids today, they, they can't, but they, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna let you, I remember my parents, we had the one TV. Right? It was this big. You know? I was the remote. And <laughs> dad would say, channel two. Okay, dad. <laughs> you, you remember the joy you'd have when you find out as a little child? That's what you ought to capture in this thought today. You have been privileged like little children, privileged by by God revealing to you the truth of Christ. Rejoice. Rejoice in that. Christ says, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Rejoice with Jesus that these things have been revealed to you. 1 Corinthians 1 I'll show this last one that I want to try to wrap this together. For Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, like to try to bring this all together one of the thoughts when i when i was working through this concept of joy the phrase that just kept coming back to me comes from nehemiah do not grieve for the joy of the lord is your strength and i don't know about you but when i stop and i ponder and i consider and i think about these things i would encourage you this week to pull up some of these scriptures of your own accord to just ponder some of these deep truths like my name is written in heaven Right? God revealed, according to his gracious will, he revealed himself to me. The, the power of the enemy is defeated. And every time I, we have the opportunity to minister, we see Christ sees Satan fall like lightning. And just ponder those truths of the week. I don't know about you, but this, this captures what happens inside of me. Now I'm not very exuberant, but I'm telling you, there's a Natural welling up of spiritual strength as I rejoice in the Lord. Would you agree with that? As I am rejoicing in these these truths of God, there's a natural welling up. And so I thought today, and I've been, I've toyed around, should I do it? Should I not? Too bad Liam's not in here because I told him I was going to do this. I'm going to end with a song. Okay? I'm going to teach you a song. No musical instruments. Trust me, I can do this. Not really, but I'm going to try. Now, the first part of this song, it, it's going to be tough to memorize the lyrics, okay? So I'm going I'm to give you the lyrics to The the first, first verse. The first verse says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, don't miss that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of you have already forgot. I need to put it on the screen. I should have made that bigger. All right. Now, I like to, when I sing this song, I hope you'll catch on very quickly because I really don't want to sing a solo. So please, it's, the words are easy, okay? You can do this, okay? You'll catch on real quick, I hope. I I personally like to hold out the first, you know, part of the song. I'm not going to do that the first round, okay? This time we're gonna we're gonna sing it through. Okay? I'm gonna totally regret this later, but it's going. Can we stop the recording? No, better not. Okay? Ready? And if you can sing with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. All right, second verse. You ready for it? Second verse is going to be a little bit more difficult to memorize. The words are, he fills my heart with laughter. Ha, 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 okay? That's what usually happens. Kathy will be my designated laugher, okay? And I need to start... Uh, you guys have already forgotten. Let me put it over here, okay? Last line, though. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my story. So we need to start off with the he, right? I feel like you guys should stand for this. Should you guys stand for this? No, not yet. We'll stand for the next verse. You'll need to stand for the next one, okay? All right. He fills my heart with laughter. Ha, 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 ha. He fills my heart with laughter. Ha, 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 ha. He fills my heart with laughter. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Great job, guys. Thank you for humoring me. One more verse. This last verse is the most difficult one to memorize. I'm going to say the line uh, nice and slow so you get it and you don't forget it. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. You got it. He's doing pretty good. (laughs) I'll just put it up there. Okay. And I feel the need to encourage you to stand. Now, before you do, though. Understand, I'm not what I'm not doing right now is trying to just do something silly. But I hope my hope is genuinely that this little bit of ridiculousness will stick in your brain this week. And my hope is that by the Spirit of God, as you think about your idiot pastor, you will go, You know what? There's I have a lot of reasons to rejoice in the middle of all of this, and you may even find yourself and you have to be careful how you do this, but you may even find yourself in dealing with difficult people that are still under the power and influence of Satan. You may find yourself wanting to sing this last verse out loud to them. I would suggest not doing that directly in their face. They will take it wrong, okay? All right. Stand up. Sing it with me. We're going to hold out that first ha. Okay? Watch my hand for the lasting ha. Right? You ready? Ready? <laughs> oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for this room full of idiots, Lord. I just praise you, God, that you have chosen to reveal your, by your gracious will you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. Lord, help us this week to be full of the joy of the Lord. And I gotta ask that it would strengthen us as we venture out into this world. And then we come together next week. God, I thank you so much for every soul in this room. I pray now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. Thank you.